for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hello, I'm your host, Elisa Hines, the multimedia specialist here at the City of Stillwater. Today, my co-host is Seth Fish, communications intern. So what are we talking about today, Seth? Today's guest is Dana Maddox, a customer service director at the City of Stillwater. And Dana is here to talk to us today about back to school tips for students. Well, welcome, Dana. Um, let's start with some lightning round questions and kind of get to know you. We're going to ask you some random but revealing questions. And it's always to fun to hear some of the responses that we get. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Seth. Okay, first question is, would you rather live where it only snows or the temperature never falls below 100 degrees? You kind of already live in both of those extremes, <laughs> but... <laughs> I know. Probably, well, I'm a beach person, so I love the beach, um, which is interesting because my daughter loves the beach, but my son and husband love the mountains. So I would definitely be where there was sand and warm temperature and... Snow's nice, but I could live without it. I'm pretty much the exact opposite, I think. I, I like to put more clothes on and and not have to worry about taking them off to stay cool. So Yeah, I hate being cold, though. Yeah, it can be pretty terrible. I think January is usually when I'm like, okay, I don't like the cold <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and at least at the beach, you can get in the water exactly. to cool off, which is exactly. nice. Okay, would you rather always be slightly late or super early? super early. I hate being late. That's a good quality to have, I think. Yeah, my old band director used to always say, if you're on time, you're late. So you <laughs> yeah. always had to be there early. <laughs> you might get left otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what was the most memorable gift that you've ever received? So as a child, so I'm one of eight children, and I grew up on a farm. And so we didn't always have a lot of money. And one year we were selling raffle tickets at our school and the gift was a, the prize was a bicycle. And the person I sold the raffle ticket to that one gave me that bicycle for Christmas. That is sweet. Wasn't that neat? Yeah. That brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. Well, Dana, uh, we are here today to talk about some tips for students. Some of these students may be fresh out of mom and dad's home. Some may have come to the dorms and now they're out on their own. So what are some things students really need to think about when it comes to setting up a new house? So when they come in, and we do require a picture ID, but most um, everyone always has that because your driver's license works for us. The other thing is for sure knowing what your address is. Um, so we kind of get that sometimes that they're not real sure what the address is. Um, so making sure that you know what your address is before you come in. So it's not just, I live at such and such apartments. Yes, which we get a lot. And a lot of the apartments we know, you know, like the main apartments on Apple, um, well, like Apple Creek on Perkins Road. So a lot of the, the larger apartments we will know, but some of the triplexes, have a name but we don't know what those are um, and surprisingly enough sometimes it's the yellow house on the corner you know three blocks that away and so know your address and then if you have your lease go ahead and bring that with you we don't normally have to see those but sometimes we do and it also helps if there is a confusion on the address that we can look at the lease for you and figure out where you're supposed to be 
That makes sense. What are some other things they need to think of? If there's going to be roommates, they're going to need to decide who's going to be responsible for the electric bill. So we only take one name on an account, and so they kind of need to decide beforehand, you know, who's going to be responsible for the electric or the gas or, you know, the cable, the different services. So we will only take one name, so they need to kind of know whose name they're going to put that into. So what kind of services do they have to sign up for? Or what are some of those that are nice to have that they don't have to sign up for? We don't have any services that you don't have to sign up for if it's available at the address you're moving into. So the City of Stillwater will provide electric, water, wastewater, um, trash pickup. We um, have an ambulance subscription that you can opt out of, um, drainage and street sweeper. So if all of those services, like if you live at a house, one person can't do the electric and somebody else do the water and sewer. It's, you can't unbundle those services, so everything comes together. Obviously, at an apartment complex, you're probably not going to be paying the water and sewer because usually there's one meter for the entire apartment complex or building. So it will be everything that's available at that location. So what are some of the things maybe that students don't think about that they get surprised when they get here to sign up for maybe just electric? That they might be required to pay a deposit. So we base our deposits on a credit check. So it's a soft credit check and it's actually based on your credit risk factor, which is a little bit different than your credit score. A lot of our students just haven't built up the credit yet. So typically they'll default to our minimum $100 deposit, but sometimes if they have taken out credit cards or not paid their cell phone bills and that gets reported to a collection agency, then it could be a $200 deposit. Do you think there's big surprises in, in students who haven't had to pay their own bills before that they move in in August and their electric bill is $80 and they're thinking, wow, I, I can really bank on this just being $100 every single month. And then when summer rolls around uh, and prices start going up, obviously, on the electric side, maybe their gas uh, starts to go down. But do you ever get questions of people um, just not understanding where the prices are coming from and what the difference is? We do some. Kind of what gets confusing that people don't think about is, well, I'm doing the same thing I did last month, but why is my bill higher? And not thinking about, yeah, I didn't change my thermostat, but the heat index or the humidity, all of those play a role in their bill. So there's a big difference when your AC is set on you know, 75, but the average temperature is 87 versus now the average temperature with heat index is 105 because your air conditioner, even though you haven't moved the thermostat, is having to run more just to keep your house cool. So it does get confusing that I haven't done anything different, but my bill is more. Now you mentioned having it set at a certain temperature. What is a better temperature for them to have it set up so that their bills may not be quite as high. Yeah, it varies so much. So it's what can you live with, you know? And, it, you know, it's interesting sometimes because they're, well, at mom and dad's house, we keep it at, you know, this 
temperature and also thinking about the house you're living in how well insulated is it how efficient is your air conditioner versus your parents um, rates are pretty standard um, that we we're kind of kind of in the middle of the pack as far as rates so we're not the cheapest but we're definitely not the highest um, so just thinking about those things it's all over the board I mean we hear people that have it set from 70 to 78 it just kind of depends on what you can feel comfortable with you know I would recommend versus setting it at 70 is starting it at a higher temperature and then lowering it at a degree maybe you know every day or so until you can find that temperature that's comfortable for you so with uh, you mentioned apartment complexes earlier um, I know that with most r just houses that you would rent, um, it's pretty much a given that you will always have a bill from the city for your electric and you'll always have an ONG uh, gas bill. But if I, it, it's advertised on, on certain apartments that, uh, oh, everything is included. So how, how does that work? Is that just a, um, that apartment complex pays for all of the electric consumption of the entire complex and it's just taken out of their rent check or? So it varies greatly from apartment to apartment. So some apartment complexes give you what they call an allowance. So they will say included in your rent is a utility allowance up to $80. The thing you have to be careful with that we see that we get a lot of um, questions about uh, from parents and the students is if it goes over the $80, they bill you for what you went over. Um, so there's sometimes there's individual meters for each apartment and we just bill the apartment complex and then they track your apartment and then based on what your agreement is with them some of the apartments um, there truly is like one or two meters or a meter per building and it may be bills included but I mean pay attention to the lease that you're signing if you're getting in a utility allowance and if you go over that allowance what happens and then there's that always surprise of the water bill what do they need to be aware of when it comes to their water consumption? Definitely running toilets. So people don't think that a running toilet will use very much water. It will use an enormous amount of water. Um, we have seen bills up in the thousands of dollars from people who have just let their toilet continue to run. So if you're jiggling that handle, to stop the toilet from running, you're wasting water and you get billed for that water. Whether you truly benefited from it or not, we still have to treat that water. So even though it's just going down the drain, it's still treated water and the city has costs for those chemicals and all those other things to provide that water to you. So running toilets is a huge issue. And that's an inexpensive fix. It is. Um, to either fix yourself or, again, if you, you know, um, rent the house, make sure your landlord knows. And if they're not fixing it, then continue, especially if you're paying the bill, to continue to let them know that you need that fixed. So what is something that um, students come to you and say, 
oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I didn't pay my bill. (laughs) So you should get a bill. I mean, it's surprising. It's like you have lived here for three months and you haven't gotten a bill. And I mean, it's kind of out of sight, out, out of mind, which I get. I mean, everybody's busy. And that's not just for our students, but everyone and just kind of forget, oh, I should have gotten a bill. So from um, once you move in, you should receive a bill in probably no more than 45 days. And if you haven't gotten one by then, you need to be calling us, figuring out where your bill is. Because that first bill is going to be... Well, it's normally for 30 days, so we bill a month behind. So we'll go out and read the meter, and then the meter reader will come around once a month, and he'll read your meter. But just remembering I should be getting a bill, and we'll tell you when to expect that bill. So depending on where you live in town, we send out bills once a week. So we will tell you, based on the area of town that you're living in, you should get your bill around the 8th or the 15th or the 25th. Um, so that you'll know when should, when you should be expecting the bill. And you said you have people physically walking around and, and reading the meters. Yes. Uh, is there any plan for um, the new technology of, of all electronic meter readers that you just can go on your computer at work and see the consumption? Yeah, so AMI, um, we are currently working with a vendor. So currently, m- the majority of our water meters, we can read from from City Hall. So they're on a mesh network that we can look up your account and read your water meter. Um, We're getting ready to replace all of those along with the electric meter. So we're working on a contract with a vendor right now to hopefully get going and there will be at that time a customer portal so you can log on and actually see your consumption daily, hourly, um, and kind of track it on your own. But in the meantime, don't be surprised if there's somebody running around your yard looking for your meter. Yeah, so the electric meters are on the usually the back of your house or the side of your house. Um, so they should have on a uniform to identify themselves. They should have an ID with them. So if you walk out and somebody's there, you know, I would definitely, with all the scam stuff that goes on anymore, is to ask. Ask for their ID for their badge because they've been issued one and then they can always call the office and confirm should there be a meter reader in my yard today because we will know whether or not we have somebody reading in that area. What are all of the ways that that you can pay your bill? Okay, so you can um, mail it in to us, kind of the old-fashioned way. You can walk into the windows at the municipal building at 723 South Lewis. Our hours are eight to five Monday through Friday. Um, It's super easy to pay online at stillwater.org. You just need to know your account number. You can do, um, it's labeled as a one-time payment, but you can make as many payments as you want, which is a little deceiving. Um, So you can go on there, just put in your account number. You can register your account if you want to actually look at your consumption, look at old bills that you've been issued, you know, three months ago or whatever. We keep PDFs of those bills out there on your account. Um, and the 24-hour telephone, um, you can call in and make your payment as well. Now, in some pl- instances, you can get your bill kind of prorated, or how does that work? So average billing, so or budget billing, it's yes. referred to a lot of places. So once you have lived at your location for 12 months, which usually means you've received 13 bills, 
uh, or you've lived there for 13 months, which means you've received 12 bills since we bill a month behind, then we can take an average of what those bills have been. And then that's um, kind of what you pay each month. We do change it a little bit because we're always re-averaging it to pull your most current bill in there. So we don't ever have a settle up period like some utilities and places that do that they'll say okay a year from now we're going to see do you owe us money do we owe you money and we'll do what's called settle up we don't do that we are always taking your last 11 bills and your current bill and divide adding all that up and dividing it by 12 and saying this is what your payment is for the month and that just helps um a student really kind of average their bill and kind of know exactly what it's going to cost them a month um without surprises yeah pretty close to it the only downfall with the students is again you have to live there for about 13 months so a lot of times you know our students are kind of moving because they're here for a semester and then they may not stay during the summer and then they come back and they may go in that same house or not so that tends to work a little bit better probably for our residents who are staying in the same house for an extended period of time the other thing I would say about making your payment is, um, especially if you have roommates, each one of you can create your own account with the account number. So if you have four roommates, you can each create an account online for that utility account so that you can each go on and make your own payment with your credit card if you're dividing the bill. I will say though, if your name is the name on the utility account, you need to make sure it's getting paid and not always just trusting that a roommate has said they have paid it because more than once we've had somebody come in and have said well my roommate said they paid it and they never did so if your name's on the account you need to make sure the bill's getting paid if there's one thing that my generation of people don't understand yet i think we will but does not paying your utility bill affect your credit at all? I'm at the I don't even know what credit is if I'm being quite honest. It's such a confusing thing that I, we haven't had to deal with yet. So So for the city of Stillwater, we do not report your monthly payment. So once you move and close your account and if you don't pay your bill, then it would get turned over to a collection agency. So you move out we give you about total three months to pay it. In the meantime, we're sending you letters reminding you you have this outstanding bill. At that point, it would get turned over to a credit agency, which affects your credit greatly. Um, and especially now you're out of school, you have your first job, you're ready to buy a car, and oh, here's this bill that got left you know, with the city of Stillwater. Monthly, we will track whether or not you're late so it would only affect you if you were moving to another location, whether or not we're gonna require you to pay a deposit. So it doesn't affect your overall credit on a month to month basis, but it's a good habit to be into. Okay, well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, I know I've learned a couple things, <laughs> but I learned what a bill was. I haven't been paying those, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But thank you so much for, uh, for coming and talking to us. You're yes. welcome. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Thanks, Dana. We appreciate it. Thanks. So, Seth, before we go, let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions in a lot of ways, including email, social media, and even phone calls. The first question comes from Facebook. Jamie asks, 
Is putting my cardboard in a plastic bag so it doesn't blow around a bad thing? Thanks for the question, Jamie. Unfortunately, plastic bags clog up our machines and make the recycling process much slower and much more difficult. If you really feel like your bin may spill over, put the loose cardboard in another recyclable material like another cardboard box or maybe a paper bag. The next question comes from Justice on Twitter. Justice asks, why aren't people allowed to park on the lawn of the property they live on? Okay, so I've actually had experience with this myself. So this is the full response from Code Enforcement Officer Paul Bostick. The only area of Stillwater that has restricted yard parking is the Westwood Overlay District. The district was enacted in 2011 on the request of property owners that were trying to preserve this area as a historic single-family residential zone. These traditional properties were built in times when people owned one or two vehicles and they had adequate parking for the times. Using these properties for rentals causes problems for the area in that most houses do not have paved parking to accommodate the three or more cars that park at rental houses. Yard parking is restricted to preserve the look of properties that would otherwise turn into rutted out and damaged yards due to excessive parking on lawns. Thank you for your question, and if you have any others, feel free to reach out. Thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater. Tune in for our next podcast. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org, and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.